Jesus' name. Thank you. Yeah, that was powerful. I love it. Every once in a while, the Lord will have her say something that just offends the mind and shifts the room. Those are both good. Both good. Uh, like how she said, my soul, that is who you are. David spoke to his soul. In Psalm 42, he said, oh, so why are you disquieted? Why are you cast down within me? Psalm 42. Then Psalms 103, David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Again, I say, bless the Lord, O my soul. So David didn't have a problem talking to himself. Amen. And uh, so when, when she was talking about that, when she said, bless the, when she said, my soul, it's speaking to ourselves. And that, the word says, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, you build yourself up. So um, it's not bad to talk to yourself. It gets a little scary when you start answering yourself. <laughs> Can't say that I had never done that, but, uh, you know, David, we have a biblical example of him speaking to his soul. And, uh, and if we believe the word, if we believe that what Jesus said, if we believe what Paul said when he said that now we're ambassadors for Christ and uh, Corinthians then we are here to make a way for others. We're here to be a stream uh, in the desert. Right? <laughs> Amen. That's what we're called to be. And um, so, again, it comes down to the thing, and that's what the Lord has really been stirring in my heart when I talked earlier about the difference between hope I mean, between uh, knowledge and truth, the Lord has been stirring in my heart about the things that I know and the things that are true to me. And I've shared this before, so it's not like it's fresh manna or new revelation, but what he said to me is the things that are truth to you are the things that you live from. We can have knowledge about a lot of things. But the things that we actually believe are truth to us, and those are the things that we live out of. And um, so that's what he's really been uh, stirring in me. And this, I got this text. I don't, Dustin must be out with Rosie, huh? Because uh, I was going to call him up here. But in worship, Dustin sent me this text, and I didn't read it until after I came up and kind of encouraged everyone. Uh, at least I hope it was encouraging, but when I came up and shared uh, out of Ezekiel and everything like that. But he said uh, what the Lord has been speaking to him over the past couple of weeks uh, is two things. One is the power of the Holy Spirit, and the other being the person of the Holy Spirit. We have to recognize the Holy Spirit as a person and the power of the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. The Spirit of God has been around since creation, which we know the Spirit of God is God, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He says, Psalms 36, 33, 6, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all the host. And that word breath there 
It literally means spirit. Ruach. It's the, the spirit of God. Uh, the things were made. In Genesis chapter 1, 2 and 3, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Uh, it says we see the presence of the spirit of God in the, in the formless darkness, in the void. What I'm getting to is this. The Holy Spirit is how God knows all and sees all. There is no place where God is not, Psalms 139. When the Word of God and the Spirit of God are united, creation takes place, Genesis 1-3. And God said, let there be light. So in the case light was created, remember his Spirit was already present, then he spoke. So he and I didn't speak about any of this. And I talked about light. I talked about uh, Genesis chapter 1, I had quoted Genesis chapter 1 uh, about, or referenced Genesis chapter 1 when God said, uh, so does, what does that mean for us? His spirit is already present inside you, and when you speak, or when God speaks through you, creation takes place. And we just talked about the power of declaration and, and agreeing with and speaking out. And when I go back, I see this from him. A new thing is created, that it that is what exposes darkness and can bring people out of darkness into light. That is why we all are created, are called new creations. This is the power that lives within you. Don't quench it. Let this burn in you deeply. He said, any man that thirsts, let him come and drink. It's, we have to thirst for this. Being in our quiet time, being in constant communion with Holy Spirit, we have a natural overflow for out of the heart the mouth speaks. So I just thought that was so cool that we're, uh, I was up here and I was exhorting, encouraging, talking about that. And as I am, uh, Dustin is sharing and had sent that to me uh, without any correlation, without us talking to each other. So what am I saying? The Holy Spirit wants us to know uh, the power in our words. He wants us to understand the power that we have in walking out uh, our relationship with the Lord. And the passage that uh, this just continued, I shared about it about two weeks ago, uh, that continues to stir in me is Galatians chapter 5. And uh, I want to share a little bit on this this morning. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in this one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Verse 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And what's been really stirring in me in, in this passage is, um, and it's what I've said here, and we've kind of done it the past few weeks, is just really taking time to try to help and develop relationship and community among those that we call our church family. Verse 13, he said, For you, brothers have been called to liberty, only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And that word through, the original Greek word, can literally be translated because of. So not just through as an avenue, 
But he's saying that through as an avenue of love, serve one another. But it can also mean because of love. And, the, and I love where it says, and this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave himself for us. So this love that we're living from toward each other and serving one another, and I want to use, I'm going to get to that word in just a moment. But when we really understand what he's talking about, he's saying we're not loving one another to strive to prove something. We're not loving one another to get something. We're loving one another because of his love for us. When we understand his love, and we don't just have a, a knowledge of it, but when that truth resonates in our spirit, then we can live from a place other than just, I'm trying to give something to get something. It's living from a place of, I'm giving something that's just constantly being poured into me. So he said, through love, serve one another. And this word serve is a, a strong word. It literally means be a bond slave or a love slave to someone. So what he's saying is through and because of love, we should serve someone as a slave. We'll let that marinate for a minute. Because what that means is this. A slave, when they didn't they didn't do it because they were getting paid to do it. They, were, they did it because they were made to do it. Right? They didn't do it for words of affirmation because they probably didn't get them. And he said, if we'll have that same mindset, I'm not a slave to anyone. The Bible says I don't owe man any man anything except to love them. He's brought me out of bondage, so... Let this offend your mind and bring hope all at the same time. But this love that I'm talking about, it's not an emotional, it's that agape, 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 agapeo. It's that sacrificial type of love. That's what he's talking about. So here he said, you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only don't use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. What did Jesus say? By this will all men know you're my disciples if you... Love one another. So love is not just me going up saying, John, I love you, brother. Love, this type of love that he's talking about here, says when I love someone that way, then I'll serve them. That means it will serve one another out of love, not out of what I think I can get from you, but just because the love that's poured into me, I want to love you. And he said, if you don't do this, you'll end up devouring one another. And this is what's stirring on the inside of me. This is what I see so much, even in church in America. We don't really know how to love one another because we're looking for something to reciprocate from it, to get back from the love. So we're not really loving like he loved out of his love coming into us, that overflow through the person of Holy Spirit like Dustin mentioned, we're not living from that place or loving from that place. So what we end up doing is devouring one another and consuming one another. So what does that mean? That means that we have relationships that are, we could say, mutually beneficial. But what we mean is we have relationships and we establish relationships who will help me with what I'm wanting to do. 
Instead of serving people and loving them from the position that Jesus did. When he took off his outer garment right before he was crucified and washed his disciples' feet. And he said, what you've seen me do, you go do likewise. Now, did Jesus say everybody's supposed to have a foot washing ministry? No, what he was saying is everyone needs to have a mindset that I can humble myself and wash your feet. I don't care if, you're, if I'm the CEO of a company, I can come in and I can serve you. I can find out what's really going on in your life and I can sow my life into you. Now, just work with me for a minute. I know <laughs> if we really came in with that mindset that I want to find someone today that I can love, that I can serve, that I can pour myself into without looking for anything to come back because I know that I can't give out anything he's not giving in. And if we came in and you were really connected to a body that, that loved each other that way, you have, somebody might have to use an imagination. But if we were really connected, intimately connected to a body of believers that said, man, I want to serve just because, not because of what I'm getting. I want to connect. I want to get to know them, not to, by, because of what I might be able to gain from them, but because they're worth getting, know, getting to know because they're part of the kingdom. Then we wouldn't eat and divide because he said this, if we don't serve one another through love, what, verse 14, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Then he goes on in verse 16, he say, I say then, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because here's the thing, I can't remember who to attribute it to, but it was so good. I shared it this past week that... There was a marriage counselor, and I can't remember exactly who to attribute it to, but he said, there's a he said, most people in marriage fall in lust, not in love. Because lust says, what can you do for me? Love says, what can I do for you? Selah. So if I'm in a love relationship, I'm not always saying, what can you do for me? I'm saying, man, what can I do for you to, to help you be the best you that you can be. And I'm going to tell you, I was 15 or 20 years into our marriage, with 31 years now, 15 or 20 years into our marriage before I really understood that I had spent most of my marriage in lust and not in love. Not for another woman, not, for, not in pornography, not in anything like that. But just of what I could get from Tina instead of what I could give to Tina. For God so loved the world, he came looking to see what they could do for him. I don't think it goes quite like that. For God so loved the world that he gave. Another, I know where this came from, Kenneth Hagin, he's got a little book on love. It's a little red book. It's, I can't remember the full title, but it's talking about love. But he talked about when he went to a marriage counselor, and he said the marriage counselor told him and his wife, said, if you always try to outdo one another in love, you'll never end up back in this office, nor will you be in divorce court. If you try to outdo one another in love. Why? The word says love covers a multitude of sin. So when I authentically love people, I'm not looking to devour them. I'm not looking. How would the workplace look if we went in the workplace as love? Because that's what we are. God is love, and we're in him. We're one with him. 
So we are love. May not always show it, but we are love. So what would it look like if I went in the workplace and I wasn't there to try to make a name for myself? I wasn't there to become a floor mat. I'm not saying that. See, what we want to do is we want to polarize. We go, if I'm in love, that just means I'm wishy-washy and everybody can walk over me. Nope. Sometimes I love my granddaughter so much that I discipline her. There are people that I authentically love, so I tell them the truth if I see something going on that concerns me in their life. It's not that I'm the end all. It's just because I really love them, I'll share truth with them. If you really love someone, you don't allow them to run down the road that you know is going to go off a cliff. You tell them, look, where you're headed is not safe. And I love you enough that they might, you might not be, give them the warm fuzzies and you might not be their very favorite person in that moment. But if you really love people, it's not just warm and fuzzies, it's speaking truth. And that's where he said, speak the truth in love. So love is not this, what society has made it. We've made love to say that I accept you how you are, no matter how you are, right, wrong, or indifferent. If I really love you, then I just let you be you. That would be like me saying that I have drinks lined up here across the front of the stage. Every other one is, is poison. And if I love you, I just let you drink poison because I don't want to offend your, your free choice. He said, You have been called to liberty, to freedom. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. And then immediately the Lord took me to Acts chapter 2. The birthing of the church. And we see in Acts chapter 2. Um, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. And that word fellowship is koinonia. It means partnership. That means there's a giving and receiving. It's not, and they, they continued in coming to get what they could get. They continued in fellowship. Throughout this thing, Jesus taught his disciples. We, see how, we saw him model this. But throughout this thing, he showed us that in true relationship, there's a giving and receiving. There's an exchange that takes place. And this word koinonia, they were in fellowship. It's the same word used where it talks about we have fellowship with the Lord. It means partnership, equal responsibility, equal authority in, in relationship with him. In marriage, it's a partnership. It's, a, it's, a, it's why it's not 50-50. It's 100-100. If you only bring half in, that's all you got. It's all in. He said, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles', doc, apostles doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Now I'm not saying that's what we have to do, that everybody has to sell everything you have and give it to those who are in need. But I do believe this, and here's, I just want to share who how good he is. 
when we see need, and it's not always need like they're not going to be able to eat if I don't do this. Sometimes it's just opportunity in someone else's life to be a blessing and to sow into someone else's life. So this past week, my wife and I had the opportunity to do that. We both felt that we wanted to give this amount to, to someone to be a blessing to them and to help in an area. So that was on Tuesday, I think, and we did. And on Wednesday, and my wife, and this is, I want you to hear what I'm saying. I'm just, I want to preface it. <laughs> this isn't about things, and it's not about money. It's about obedience. And it's about truly loving people, not loving to get, but loving because God, one, has given you the opportunity to love, and he's blessed you with having them in your life. What if we thought about it that way? Don't let me forget where I'm going. What if we thought about it that way, that the people in our life, even the ones who sometimes rub us, that they're a blessing because God's placed them in there because if they're rubbing us, there's something sticking up that needs to be rubbed off. What if we really valued people that way instead of, well, that person just gets on my nerves? What if we took time to go, why did that get on my nerve? What's, why is that nerve sticking out in the first place that they get on? You know, we don't want to do that. You know why? Because then we're looking at me instead of them. It's a whole lot easier to do this. Grandma used to say, when you're pointing this way, you got three pointing back at you. So we felt led to give this amount. And my wife for some time has been wanting a row machine, you know, a rower to have at the house. Uh, she's not a go-to-the-gym kind of a person. Uh, we were actually, during the whole gym shutdown thing, one of Tyler and Brianna's neighbors had a, a nice rower from the gym, from a CrossFit gym in their garage. And uh, Tina was out walking with Annalise and went over there, and they showed her how to use it. And she said, I like that. And that was months ago. And I had totally forgotten about it. Uh, one... I didn't really care. I didn't, I'm not a rower kind of guy because I didn't know. Just being real. But then I got to thinking about it. Just all of a sudden, on Tuesday, we give, we give out of obedience what we feel like the Lord tells us to give. And on Wednesday, I'm not exaggerating. You can write it off. I'm just telling you this is who he is and how he works with me. Out of the blue, I'm sitting there and I go, man, Tina said she'd like to have a rower. She hadn't mentioned it since months ago. And I, so I pull up Facebook Marketplace and I'm looking through there, and there's a guy in Burlington who has one in the box. And he's selling it for half price. And guess what? It was the amount that we had given. I'm like, hmm, I don't think that's a coincidence. So I messaged the guy, hey, do you have it? He said, yes. I said, hey, I want it. He said, it's yours. So that afternoon, I go and I pick it up. I bring it home, we put it together, and at 11 o'clock at night, we're rowing. <laughs> 11 o'clock at night. And I watched my wife. do. I've, we've had different exercise equipment. I've never seen her just go, man, this is what I want. I, she goes, yeah, let's try it out. Mm, not so much, not feeling it. <laughs> and, uh, but this, she jumped on it. She was working. The next morning she got up, she was working. I was just thanking the Lord. Man, you're so faithful. You're so good. And if I'm not mistaken, it was Thursday. We just, okay, I'm just going to be transparent. Tina might be telling me to shut up, but she's not in here. She's in the nursery right now. So, <laughs> so we just refinanced our house. We went from 30 years to a 15-year mortgage. The Lord is good. 
got a great rate and everything, so we're going to get that puppy paid off. But we refinanced, and it got all jacked up. I mean, it was supposed to happen a month ago, and they kept dragging their feet so much so that we had to make another house payment so that it wouldn't come against our credit. That's how bad this was, how botched it was. So Tuesday, we gave out of obedience. Are you with me? Wednesday, we, I find this uh, rower. I go get it. On Thursday, we get a check from this whole thing that took a month to close, and it didn't even close. They didn't even release the money to pay it all off until like Tuesday of this week. Right, so we still didn't know when the whole stinking thing was going to go through. I'm not going to give the name of the bank to tell you never to use, but it's done now. We got a good rate. We're locked in. But on Thursday, we get a check, and guess how much it's for? The amount that we gave on Tuesday, and a little bit more. Well, that's coincidence. No, that's God. That's how big he is. Now, we didn't say, we had no idea that was coming in. And still don't even know why it's there. Tina said, I'm not cashing it yet until I make sure we're supposed to have it. Because <laughs> it wasn't expected. Are you tracking with me? What does all this have to do with what you're saying? When the Lord put on our heart to do something for someone out of love, not because of anything we wanted to receive from them, just out of obedience to him and out of love. He said, watch this. And I, it's, it's not about things. It's not about money. He told me a long time ago, and I've shared it here more than once. He told me, he said, Todd, I don't care what things you have. I care what things have you. God's not caught up on things. Things can be a great tool. They can be a resource. They can be things or things. And you know what I found out? The only people who are really caught up on things are people with a poverty mindset. And I'm not trying to be offensive, but if that's the way it hits, I'm sorry. But I've known some very wealthy people in my life. And what I've seen about those people is things are just things to them. They could care less. If it breaks or wears out, they don't care. They'll just get another one because it doesn't matter. It's, just feel, it's not making them happy. It's just a thing that they use for convenience or that they enjoy. You know, it's not, there's... It's not a sin to enjoy your life. Shabbat. So when we love one another, just like what we saw here, that it says, let me finish. So they continue daily with one accord in the temple, which represents a corporate gathering, and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness, which literally means joy. They enjoyed it. They enjoyed their food, and they enjoyed being with other believers. What? what? Not an agenda. Not even a small group. Yes, they continued in the apostles' doctrine and in breaking bread, in communion. That's what that's signifying, in communion. Remembering the Lord and what he had done, his body, his blood. But it also says, in day, daily, did you catch that? Not on the Lord's day. Not on the first day of the week. But daily, they enjoyed one another. Now, please don't give a show of hands. 
But when is the last time you really said, man, I enjoy the people that I fellowship with and I call my church family? Not tolerate. Not use to get what I need. But I enjoy them, just being around them. Because I know when I'm around them, the Jesus in them which is different, the multifaceted wisdom of God. The word multifaceted literally means like a diamond that's cut with different facets that gives a different, glow, a different array of who he is. So we all are one with Christ, and we all represent him a little differently. Just like the Gospels, they're not contradictory. They're all talking about the same Jesus, but they're talking about it from different perspectives. About him, not it. About him from different perspectives, from how they saw it. Are you with me? So, how does it look when we really value people that way? I'll just be 100% transparent. I haven't, even pastoring, I haven't seen a body of people, and part of it's probably my fault, but I haven't seen a body of people that are really that committed and connected. I've heard testimony of fellowships that are really that way. I don't care if it's 30 or 300, 3,000, 30,000. I don't care about the number. They gather in the temple and in houses. They gather corporately and they gathered in, with, in smaller groups, whatever you want to say it. But what they had, and, and it was this group of people that were gathered together and the whole building shook. So we can get all spiritual, and I've done that. We can get all spiritual. They were just praying, and they were just fasting. But this says they enjoyed one another, that they weren't devouring one another, that they were loving, serving one another sacrificially, even as slaves serving one another. So that means when someone says, hey, man, I've got something going on. I could use some help. Everybody don't go, oh, I didn't hear what he said. I'm going to go over here. Hey, what y'all doing? But it also means you don't come up to the altar. Oh, Lord, you know that the guy down on the third row has got lots of money and I need some. You know why we don't see this koinonia? It's because we don't really know one another. The same week that Mark uh, Snyder spoke, Nathan came up and, and challenged us to have dinner with somebody. And I don't want a show of hands, but how many have done that? I mean, Nathan's a leader in the church, and he said, man, this is what I feel the Lord saying in my heart, that we should have dinner and get to know one another. We've done some things in here on Sunday mornings, but how many of us have done that? Class, class, anyone, anyone? I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hands. But how many of us have done that if we believe that that was a word from the Lord. And we honor that word. And we go, man, that was the Lord. Just like a good one if Nathan would have stood up here and said, man, the Lord told me everybody in here is going to get a million dollars. We'd have been believing. Lord, I'm stretching my faith out there for that word that Nathan gave that I'm going to receive a million dollars. Money cometh to me now. But he, st he stands up under the same anointing and says, he says, we should have dinner with some of the people in our... You know what? It was a biblical thing he said. And I know there's a lot of people not here today. It's, it's a Labor Day weekend. There's a lot of people... But this word ain't for them unless they're watching. And maybe they'll watch it and it is for them. But what I'm, what I say, what I'm saying that is it's so easy to sit here and go, boy, if so-and-so is here, but he's preaching right at them. 
He's hitting them right between the eyes, and they're not even here to hear it. And I'm going to tell them they need to watch that message, and the whole time the Lord's going. Right? Who? And, and, and here's what I know. If we'll, be, if we'll steward what he said in his word, he'll add. He'll add too. He'll add to you. And you'll go into this thing just being obedient, just like Tina and I did. Just being obedient. Say, here's what I want to do. I'm going to have someone over for dinner. Don't really know them, but I'm going to have them over for dinner. And through that, it's just like any of you ever gone to see someone who's gone through a surgery or something like that? Or, you know, in ministry, as many years I've been in ministry, you go visit the shut-ins, those who aren't able to come out. You go visit someone who's had a surgery or something like that. And you go, oh, this, I need to go see this person because this just happened in their life. So many times when I was obedient to do that and I would go visit with them, I would, la- I would leave and the joy and the presence of the Lord was so strong on me, not because of anything I gave them, but just being around them. Anybody ever encountered that? You go to be a blessing to somebody and you get blessed. You know why? Because you went to love and to serve. Your motives may not have been exactly pure, but that's, that's how good our Father is. It's not your perfection that produces fruit. It's your connection. Again, what Dustin shared in the text that he sent me, that com- intimacy and that connection with that communion with him. And that's not a striving thing. It's an it's a abiding thing. You walk by a, a vine, a grapevine, and there's not little... Uh, Branches on the vine going, mm, trying to get a grape, mm, trying to get a grape. Please, just a grape. They're not doing it. And if creation has given us this example, why do we do just the opposite? When he told us, and you know, I'm convinced, again, going back to the person of Holy Spirit and the importance of Him in our lives right now. If there's ever been a day, this is that day. But the importance of that day is that to show us it's not in striving, it's in intimacy and connection. That it's not what I'm producing, but I, who I'm connected to that produces. I have the life of God in me. As he is, so am I in the earth. I've shared this so many times, and it's just that passage. It just, it doesn't haunt me. It stirs me and encourages me. In Romans chapter 8, where he says, creation itself is groaning, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. That's us. We're sons of God. There was the son of God who died for our sin, but he made us. He was the firstborn of many brethren. So we're sons of God. You know, I'm going to say this, and it's scriptural. I don't know exactly where it's in the Gospels. I can't give you the the physical address of it right now. But one of the reasons they wanted to kill Jesus is because he called himself the Son of God. You know why? Because the Jews knew this. If he called himself the Son of God, that made him equal with the Father. That's what they said. So I want to just offend your religious mind, this worthy, not worthy mindset. If we're sons of God, that means that he's called us equal with him to do what he did while he was on the earth. 
that offends your mind. You need to see the scriptures for what they are, for truth, because that's what they say. Jesus said that they, the word says that they wanted to stone him because he's the son of God, because he said he was the son of God. And that meant that he was equal with God. Well, if Jesus called us sons of God, then what are we supposed to be on the earth? We're not their savior, but we are one with the savior. And this is offensive because we're always living to be something instead of living from who we are. We don't have a revelation, a true revelation of what it is to be a son of God and to walk in that place of union and oneness with him. I'm not, I'm, I'm not out of order when I'm walking that way. I'm finally in order. And then light dispels darkness. Communion happens. And when we gather for dinner together, we're not trying to drum up Jesus. We're not trying to sound, say, about, you know, I love people. And there's some people that maybe I should get a little closer to, uh, and they're not necessarily in our fellowship right now, but people who can't say anything without saying something spiritual or religious. Y'all know who I'm talking about? They're gonna, they got to say something spiritual in every sentence or, every, or they feel like they've let God down. I just went to, the, to uh, Bigby this morning and got a bagel. Bless the Lord. Jesus is so good because they had the bagel I like. And then, you know, I just left and I just praised his name all the way down the road because the bagel was so good. Is he worthy of that? Yes. But if, if we feel like we've got to lace that into every, because that makes us sound deep or spiritual, we've missed it. But if we can just authentically love one another, then we won't do the opposite, which is devour one another. And you know what? Real love sometimes can be awkward. For those who've been married and you are dated at all, you find this person that you really like and you want to get to know them, and those first few times together, it's just awkward. You know, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to say something I shouldn't say. There's that awkwardness that happens. That's the reality of relationship and growing a relationship. But when we say, no, the relationship is worth what it's going to take for me to invest. Not because what I'm going to get out of it necessarily, but what God's put in me to give. And here's what I know. It doesn't have to be something spiritual. The topic doesn't have to be a small group or anything like that. But if we go in with the mindset that I want to love them and serve them the same way that Jesus did me, then he'll manifest. His presence will show up. And it doesn't have to be around a Bible study. The Bible studies are important. We can dig into truth. But when Jesus manifests, and you know when he's there. Like I said, when I was in the gym and had the opportunity to share with those guys, I didn't talk about Jesus. I didn't quote a scripture. I didn't pray for them. I just was light and love, and everything shifted, and I could feel his presence. And he wants us to walk in that communion with him every day. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Father, we bless you, and I thank you so much 
for the opportunity to share. I thank you, Father, for those who are a part of our body who are away to get away this weekend, who are relaxing and spending time with you. Jesus, I pray just manifest yourself to them right there where you are, where they are, God, that, that your presence would be so real. If it's sitting on a beach, sitting by a stream, sitting in the house, whatever, God, that your presence would be so real. And they would know, God, that we love them and that we want them to encounter that love with you and that we want to learn, God, to love our body effectively. So, Lord, we wouldn't just talk about it. We wouldn't talk about cultivating community, but actually we would do it. As it says here, Lord, that we would serve one another in love. And if we do that, if we outdo one another in love, we won't bite and devour one another. We won't consume one another. And Lord, I'm convinced the other side of that is when we come to church, we'll come refreshed and we'll leave refreshed. We won't come dragging in to get something. We'll come in refreshed from relationship with you and with others. So help us, Lord, especially in this day the enemy has so programmed us in isolation to separate and to isolate because of, quote unquote, a virus. It's really because of fear. And I think that you haven't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And that, Lord, we would expose the lies of the enemy, not just by our declaration, but by our way of living. That, God, we would really commune with one another that we would serve one another in love. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. I thank you for your presence. Lord, you just reminded me of the church, our church in the DR, we, we sing tu presencia es cielo para mi. Your presence is heaven to me. So Lord, even now, God, I bless Raphael and the family in the Dominican Republic. God, I thank you that we're one in the spirit. Lord, I just bless them there. I miss them and desire to see them. But God, even as we're apart, you are there. So, Lord, we bless them in the midst of everything that's going on. Thank you for their love for you and for when we are together, the times of refreshing that it is, Lord, from your presence. So, Lord, we bless Raphael and Carmen and uh, Lucy and Abigail, Jose Daniel, the church family there. God, thank you for our family here. Lord, thank you for leading us into what it looks like to really love one another, to commune with one another, to draw from one another the gifts that are in this body, Lord. And, uh, Lord, many times those are only seen in that intimate communion. So, Lord, we bless you and we thank you, Lord. We just declare your protection and favor over this body. No virus, no sickness or disease will attach itself to our family. God, and we release your angels, ministering spirits, as the word says, uh, sent to minister to those who are heirs of salvation. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this time today. In Jesus' name.